All right, Second Chronicles chapter 20. King Jehoshaphat's one of the good kings. He's one of the good guys. He's a king in the southern kingdom. He, he, his downfall, or his, the one major mistake he makes is that he aligns himself with the northern king of Israel, King Ahab, through marriage of his kids. Ahab's a wicked king. Jehoshaphat's a, a, a good king. But Jehoshaphat just has this tendency of like, he, he can't help but being friends with bad characters. That's, that's his one flaw. But he's a good king. He brings the people back to worship. His dad was bad. He's good. And so he's really a revivalist king. Um, he's the king that sends out missions trips. He sends out Levites to teach the people in the different towns. He himself goes out proclaiming the, the law and, and faith in God from place to place. He's really a unique, remarkable, uh, kind of hands-on active king. Gets super rich, by the way. Um, people just love him, so they keep bringing him, you know, stuff. And uh, so he becomes wealthy, but he's well-respected and, uh, and honored. So, Second Chronicles chapter 20, I've got the page number in there. If you're looking it up, um, use your uh, table of contents, whatever. Let's jump into this. Second Chronicles 20, starting at verse 1. It says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hezon Tamar, and this is another name for Engedi. And Engedi is the place you'll read that King David uh, in earlier times had hidden away from King Saul. So we're talking about across the Jordan River, what's today the country of Jordan. Those mountains are coming across uh, into Israel. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this good news and begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Now Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, verse 6, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people of Israel, uh, when your people of Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. Verse 9, they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, that's ours, right? Or famine, we can come stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us, and you will rescue us. And now we see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land which you gave us as an inheritance. If you've been tracking in our, our Bible readings lately through our Arnar our, our journal, you'll, you'll know the story came that Israel was going to kind of up and they asked nicely to go through. And they said, hey, we're not going to take anything. We'll pay you back for anything that, you know, anything that our animals eat, whatever. We just want to pass through. And they said, no. And so they had to make this long trek down and around to get into their promised land. That's what he's referring to in his prayer. Verse 11, or verse 12. Oh, our God. Won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Listen to this. We are powerless. You feel that right now? We do not know what to do. You feel that right now? That's what everybody's feeling right now. Verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Asaph were the music people, the worship leaders. All right? 
as, and he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours. It's God's tomorrow. March out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Very interesting. Take the precautions, go through the preparation, take your positions, but you're not going to need to fight. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. Verse 18, then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord. The God of Israel with a very loud shout. That's why sometimes we, we like to stand and worship together because it's a pattern from scripture. And verse 20, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa and on the way Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Thank you, singers, this morning. Appreciate it singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. And the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. And so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Keep in mind, in those times, when armies would gather, they wouldn't just necessarily attack one place, but they'd go attack these guys, and then these guys, and then these guys, and they're sort of building up plunder as they go along. And so finally, this is what it comes to. On the fourth day, verse 26, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, Barakah Valley, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today, or literally, Valley of Barakah. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. And they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. And when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of the Lord came uh, over them. The fear of God came over them. And so Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Wow, what a great passage of scripture, isn't it? All right. I took this picture a year ago. This is the area we're talking about. All right, go to the next slide. This is, I did not take this picture, but this is that, the Dead Sea Escarpment, the Ascent of Z's, what they're talking about. And for, when you come across the Jordan and there's this kind of, it's to the south of the Jerusalem and it's kind of this narrow passageway that takes you up into the Judean hills. And from there you can attack, there was a town called Lachish that was a major kind of fortress stronghold. And if you could take Lachish, you had Jerusalem and the rest of the nation. So it's so such a strategic point. So let's go to the next slide. This is, and they talked about the wilderness of Tekoa. This is the town of Tekoa today. I had the nicest lunch in Tekoa, I got to tell you. Um, and that's that's what it looks like today. It's up on that on that tell. So you know that there's lots of history underneath it. 
And I'm taking these pictures from a, a place called the Herodian. If you ever read about it or watched any of Dave Stott's things, then you know about that. And I think I do have one more picture. And this is kind of the general kind of, this is kind of the lay of the land that we're talking about. These are what these people were walking through and experiencing. So now we're looking down from the Herodian toward the Dead Sea. The Herodian was a fortress that Herod built um, uh, for his, uh, actually end up being his burial place. And so that's, uh, that's it. I think that's it, right? All right. Um, we're looking at possibly taking a trip to Israel in 2021. If you're interested, let me know. All right. So that's, uh, that's kind of the whole lay of the land and that's the outline of the story. But I want you to know that there's good help for us in this passage as God's people, right? And how we ought to respond to a national crisis. So, it, you know, virtually every pastor, at least the ones that are still having church services this way, we're frantically rewriting messages yesterday as we try to figure out how we're going to address this. I want you to be smart about this virus. I want you to wash your hands thoroughly. I want you to stay home if you're if you're at, if you feel like you're at any kind of risk. Um, just just practice really good hygiene. Don't hoard toilet paper for crying out loud. Oh my goodness! Seriously. Some of you are actually really worried because you're looking at two rolls left on the shelf and you're thinking, what are we going to do? They don't even print newspapers anymore. Like you got, there's no Sears catalog. Like you got nothing, right? You got nothing. But you know, on your glove box in your car, you know, all those fast food napkins, it's time. Remember that, all right? It won't feel good, but it'll, uh, it'll get you through in a pinch. All right. Here's the thing I want to say about this. In a panic, I mean, in a crisis, in a national panic, are you going to panic or are you going to pray? Are you going to panic or are you going to pray? Right? That's where it starts. We have to start with, the beginning point is taking this to the Lord. And I know it sounds cliche, but seriously, how many of us have actually, think about this, how much have you actually prayed about this situation? How much have you actually prayed to the Lord about our nation, about your the situation you're in, your financial situation, whatever, whatever this crisis has induced for you and the people around you, have you prayed, right? Praying that God would protect us and God would deliver us from this pandemic. Jehoshaphat recognized the severity of this incoming threat, right? They were no match for this collective army of three nations. Uh, if you've ever watched, you know, these are Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. That's kind of, that's what I'm visualizing, those massive battle scenes. Like, oh, you know, and all like the orcs and all that. It's like, that's what I see in my mind when I see this. And they're looking like, oh, no. Like, I'm feeling like a little hobbit. Oh, no. Right? That's, that's, that's the scenario for these guys. And uh, they were, they were really doomed. This was not the day uh, for an inspiring speech. Today was not that day. Right? This was the moment uh, to just turn and pray and trust the Lord. And uh, Jehoshaphat, though he was alarmed, though he was terrified, he did not panic. And some of us, certainly some of your friends, are terrified about COVID-19, right? You're concerned about your health, some of you. Um, some of the, some are worried about, like I've said, missing work, canceled trips, closed schools, your crashing retirement account. That's a good one. Some of you just realized, well, there goes, so now i got to work another 10 years. Like, all that's going on, right, right now in, in our hearts and I do not want to give in to fear. But many people, including your friends around you, are very worried. And, 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 and will the bad news drive you to prayer or is it going to drive you to panic? Jehoshaphat called his people to a season of prayer and fasting. And he did so himself, publicly and boldly. Look at verse, verse 9. 
It says he prayed. Let's go to that one on the screen. Whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we'll, we'll think about the plague going there. We can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. So, friend, I'm just saying, reject the panic. Don't buy into it. Just rest. Bring the whole situation to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you're somebody who's willing even to spend some time fasting in this coming week on this whole matter. Uh, asking the Lord, ask the Lord to provide for those who are going to be out of work, who have financial need because of this, for, for the businesses that suffer, just as we prayed earlier in the service. All right, that's the first thing I want to say. Don't panic. Pray. The second thing I want to mention is that worship matters. Worship really matters. I don't know if you sense it this morning, but God was doing something in us, amongst us, in the spiritual realm as we worship today. We, 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 um, you, you just need to know how, how prominently worship factors in this whole deliverance, uh, for these, for the Israelites, right? I will say this. One of the reasons why I'm kind of reluctant to stop our corporate gatherings, our public meetings, is because I don't want you to miss on sort of the the, the battle power of worship. There's something really significant that, that happens. Um, we had a, another memorial service here yesterday, and I mentioned the flowers already. It was the third one. I think yesterday's, no offense if you're involved in the other ones, I think yesterday's was my favorite one. Uh, for the simple fact um, that we got to sing worship songs of my formative years. So I know some of you love the hymns because that was important to you in your formative years, you know, and, and we, we sang 80s songs because that was what was precious to Philip Fielder. Keith Green songs. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. Oh my goodness, it was so good, right? Create in me a clean heart. Oh God. Like back when choruses, like you just sang the same thing five times over. I love that. I just actually really miss that. And some of you think, why can't we do more hymns? I think, well, why can't we do more 80 songs? Right? Why can't we sing, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you? I'll tell you why in a moment, why we don't do that. But I believe that worship time we did yesterday in, in the memorial service was a way of standing up to the enemy called death and reminding them that he is, he is defeated. He has no power, no authority over the life of the believer. And in this situation for the Israelites, first the worship leaders led out in worship. You see that in verse 19. And then after assembling the army, they put a worship choir out in front of the army. How would you like that? Uh, you, you really want us up front? Like, we're just singers. Like, we got no skills, right? And as they sang, what happened? Look at verse 22. At the verse 22, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, what happened? The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. They turned on each other. It's just a crazy story. You guys got skills. I mean battle skills. Friends, worship matters. Worship really, really matters. There's something powerful that happens in the spiritual realm when you lift your voice in worship. Declaring God's power and God's victory and God's love and God's holiness. Worship confuses and confounds the enemy. Worship is the best way. Listen to this one. Worship is the best way to relinquish control. For all those control freaks out there, people like me, it's the best way that we get to release control over everything. It's really helpful. It helps us drop our guard. Worship is not primarily, though, for my own benefit. 
I benefit, but it's not primarily why. It's why preference in corporate worship doesn't matter. It's irrelevant whether we sing from the 80s or the 1580s. It doesn't matter, right? Or if we sing songs today. But this is why, listen, do you think, well, then why do we just have to sing all these new songs? Because we are stepping into the flow of what God's doing globally and what God's doing internationally and what God's doing currently and that we're stepping into the stream of what God's speaking to his church today. That's why it's so important to us. And, and as we do that, he's, he's showing us and giving us kind of declarations that are, 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 are destroying the enemy and causing the enemy to turn on himself and, de- you know, brings defeat to the, the fear and the panic and the doubt and the worry, sickness and calamity that we deal with. I was singing a song this morning. I think the Lord defeated the enemy for this morning. I'll just confess this to you all. I, I, I was driving my car. There's this nice long sweeping curve by the Airways Golf Course where I drive in the mornings. And I was singing the song Surrounded. You know that, that song? This is how we fight our battles. This is how we... It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by... So I'm just singing at the top of my lungs. I had the music cranked. You know, I'm just loving the song. You know, I just... I won't tell you how fast I was going, but it was... <laughs> It was more than the limit. And I'm about to make a lane change. I look in my mirror and there's three sheriff's deputies behind me. Three. I'm like, Lord, fight my battle. <laughs> Downshift a little. <sighs> they let me carry on. Thank you, Lord. Delivered. After the battle, these people continued to praise. And after that, you know, after they'd gather all the plunder, verse 26 says this, the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It's still called the Valley of Blessing, the Baraka Valley today. Verse 28 says, they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, trumpets, and proceeded to the temple of the Lord. That would have been a loud, noisy, excited gathering, wouldn't it have been? What a procession. Friends, we're not just singing when we gather. We're not just like having a nice time together. We are doing battle we are preparing our own hearts to watch for what God will do. Even as we declare his victory in all lives and the lives of others, we're laying the foundation for the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of our friends and loved ones. You don't need to fear coronavirus. You really don't. You don't need to be afraid of it. Start with prayer. Do battle through praise and worship. It's an opportunity to trust God. Whether you're worried about losing your income or losing your life, it starts in prayer and finishes in worship. And so I'll make a come up with that in the morning. But the third thing is that this whole passage calls us to trust God as never before. It's an invitation to let God give you peace. Let God give you peace. You see that at the end of the, the chapter, uh, at the end of what we read there, verses 29 and 30. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard the Lord himself had fought the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. I'm not, I'm not talking about being a denier. That, that, that's, that's not helpful, right? Your neighbors, your coworkers are talking about this nonstop and, and, you know, there's going to be a social, physical, economic impact. I get that, but you get to exude trust and confidence in the Lord. And, and some of us tend to be a little more skeptical about this illness, right? Rightly or wrongly. Others are significantly frightened. Look, take every precaution that we're being advised to take in terms of, um, you know, washing and all that stuff. Uh, we're not shaking hands at the doors today. We're not giving you hugs today. It's an illness. It's, some people are going to die. 
right? But it's your chance to demonstrate that a Christian is someone whose confidence is in the Lord even in a time of risk and crisis. Verse 29, when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. But what if verse 29 said this? When all the surrounding neighbors and co-workers heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Bethany Church, the fear of God came over them. What if that was true? What if that was our reality? We'd say, wow, those people, they walk in peace. They're, they're, they walk in, in wholeness. They, they walk in confidence in the Lord, even though it looks kind of scary. I mean, what if we invited God into this crisis? In fact, I'm going to invite the worship team to come because you guys are going to lead us an amazing song or bring a song to us that we're mostly going to kind of listen to and respond to today. But but what if we took the good precautions and then invited, you know, people to understand how God empowers His people, how God empowers us not to panic, talk to people to how God invites us to trust Him no matter what. What if this became a great opportunity to to talk about why we're not afraid, why we're not even afraid of death, not afraid of finances, not afraid of calamity, because Jesus is our King and our healer. What if this became an opportunity for generosity and kindness? What if today was the day for you to say, you know what, I've ignored Jesus for way too long. It's time that I just give my life to Him. Even those of you watching online today, right now, what if today was your day to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to trust you with my whole life, my whole heart. We're going to sing a song, or they're going to sing a song for us, really, called Another in the Fire. And it, it's a reference to the what happened years later after this passage. You heard about a guy named Daniel. He was he was taken off as an exile to Babylon, and he had these three friends with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and they refused to bow down and worship the, the, the idol of the day. They refused to, to give in to what everybody else was doing. And the king said, fine, you're going to get thrown into this, this furnace, this, this blazing furnace. And they were thrown in. And, and he says, aren't you afraid? Before they got thrown, aren't you afraid? And they said, oh, king, our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow to what you call us to bow to. Even if he doesn't. We say this is a this is a no matter what faith. Even if God doesn't come through the way we think he's going to come through. Even if I lose a loved one to this. Even if all my, my income crashes. Even then, I will not stop trusting God. And as these three young men are thrown in the fire to their certain death, what happens? The king looks in there and he sees them walking around. He says, wait, there's a fourth. Who is that? There's a fourth guy in the fire. It's Jesus. Is the pre, pre-incarnate Jesus came to be with them in the time of greatest crisis. And some of you are going to go through some things in this month. You're going to say, I don't know if we can make it. And there's another in the fire. He stands with you. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't give in to that. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Be a person who worships. Crank up the radio. Step on the gas and sing for crying out loud. Do the song for us, Christy, would you?